0: Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this service, we hope to see you this Sunday at either 8.45 a.m. for our praise and worship service or 11 a.m. for our traditional service. Now, here's this week's message. Today, we're wrapping up our Believe series Where we've looked at the core beliefs of the Christian faith. I hope you've enjoyed the series. For the next couple of weeks, we're gonna do some standalone sermons. And then starting in December, we're gonna start our Do For One campaign that we've been talking about during Advent season. And it's just gonna be a great time. I want you to start thinking about that. But here's what we've learned so far. I'm gonna go over 10 core beliefs, okay? This is what we've learned. First, we learned that we believe the God of the Bible is the one true God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We believe that God is involved in and cares about our daily lives. We believe that a person comes into a right relationship with God by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. We believe the Bible is the inspired word of God that guides my belief and actions. We believe that we are significant because of our position as a child of God. We believe the church is God's primary way to accomplish His purpose on earth. We believe that all people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. We believe God calls all Christians to show compassion to people in need. And we believe everything we are and everything we own belongs to God. Which brings us to our final core belief, key belief is I believe there is a heaven and hell and that Jesus will return to judge all people And establish, excuse me, to establish his eternal kingdom. In other words, today we're talking all about eternity. And so if you aren't a Christian or you say, you know, I'm not really sure about this Jesus thing, I'm not really sure about the whole beliefs. I'm glad you're here today because you get to learn about what we believe, about this life, and then what happens after this life. And if you are a Christian, You probably already know when we talk about eternity and the end times, well, this can just be an explosive topic. It seems that there are so many different points of view, and there are so many different, very educated people who have very, very different um, beliefs about how it's all going to unfold. And I'm just going to be honest with you from the beginning when it comes to prophecy fulfillment and how the end times unfold and all of that, I'll just be completely honest, it's not something that gets me really excited. I know some of you feel like you have the end times already figured out as if Jesus needs to go by your schedule. You're like, Lord, all right, here's exactly what has to happen. I know some preachers talk about it a lot. Some people love prophecy. Some people love reading books about it. This isn't one of those things that really excite me. And I'll be honest, I think sometimes we can get so caught up with wanting to know how it all works, we miss what it's actually trying to teach us you ever done something like that? You were so concerned with how everything worked, you kind of missed the whole point. For instance, in my devotion time, when I was going through the gospel of Luke, Luke just is very different than the other writers. He has stories that the other writers doesn't have, and he, he talks about things and frames things very differently. And so when you're going through his gospel, it can kind of catch you off guard, wondering how it all fits into the rest. For instance, in Luke chapter 7, I came across the story, starting verse 36, of a sinful woman who anointed Jesus. And when I came to this section, I said, man, this has a lot of similarities to that whole Mary, Lazarus, sister, anointing Jesus before his death. I said, there are so many similarities. Is this the same story? I said, but there are so many differences, so maybe it's not the same story. And so then I called one of my pastor friends, and I said, hey, check this out. Do you think this is the same story? And so we started talking about, is it the same story? We started reading scholars who talked about, is it the same story? And then it hit me. It's so much easier to talk about the Bible than it is to allow what the Bibles teach us penetrate our hearts, isn't it? I mean, because in this story, it teaches us that you and I have to be very careful about judging and condemning people. We learn that Jesus didn't play favorites, and neither should we. I mean, and it's super convicting when, when you're at the story, and Jesus is at the table because you wonder, well, if I were to eat with Jesus, would I sit at the table with Jesus thinking I was an equal? And I, or would I be humble enough to come and wash his feet in shame? Who would I be if I were to approach Jesus thinking I'm not worthy or thinking, hey, he can, I can be equals with him? And it also teaches us to follow as Jesus. We have to help and forgive and accept people like Jesus did hey, but who wants to think about that stuff when I can think about timelines and think about how it all unfolds? I because mean, that other stuff is super convicting, isn't it? And so when we read the Bible, we can never forget that the Bible is really speaking to us. It's not for us just to learn about. It's not just for us to investigate a timeline. It's really speaking to us as people. And so when we look at in-time stuff, it's great to kind of, have an overview of how everything is gonna unfold, but we can't miss what it's teaching us. You see, the point of knowing about the afterlife, the point of the whole prophecy is to encourage you and I to live differently in this life. In other words, what you believe about the afterlife influences how you live this life. What you believe about the afterlife influences how you live this life. And so the point of prophecy, the point of understanding all this is to learn that we can have hope, it's to learn that we can be encouraged, and it's to learn that God really does have everything under control. It's not so we can figure out all the details. And so with that, we're gonna talk about the end times, we're gonna talk about what happens after we die, so we can understand that these big ideas should prompt you and I to live differently for the here and now. And so today we're going to go over a lot of Bible verses. If you have your Bible with you, go ahead and pull them out. If not, that's okay. It'll be up here on the screen behind us. And so the first thing we have to understand about life, I don't think this is going to be too, uh, too challenging for us to grasp. The first thing we have to understand is there will be an end of life. Did we know that? Yes, there is an end to this life. Okay, we got that. Hebrews 9, 27-28 says this, just as people are destined to die once, and after that face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the, this verses teach of a lot we could unpack probably all day, but first I want you to know is the Bible is pretty clear. We're destined to die once. So, Brian, we already know that. Hold on. Christians do not believe in reincarnation. Christians do not believe that we can come back and influence this world. That we can influence animals. That we can talk to people. That's not what the scriptures teach. It teaches us that you and I have one life. We have one shot. We don't come back in reincarnation. And maybe you said this. You ever said what goes around comes around? That's not biblical. That's, reincarn- that, that's the whole karma system. We don't believe in that. We don't believe what goes around comes around. We believe that God's wrath and punishment that we deserve has been satisfied in Christ, meaning we don't get what we deserve. Wow, well, I got a who today. Check that out. Okay, keep going. So because of the grace of God, we can escape those things. And so Christians, we live once people live one time. So we get one shot. That's that's the application for that. So there is an end to this life. After, our, our, after we die, our bodies go into the ground somehow, but then our soul or spirit lives on. And then we have the what's called the intermediate state. And Jesus helps us with this one. It's a story found in, in Luke. We're gonna read a lot of scripture here, just it'll be back here for you. But it teaches about this afterlife, and this teaching doesn't really have a lot of context. It's kind of just one of the teachings of Jesus, and here it goes. It says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you've received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And beside all of this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. So what we learn, I mean, again, we could unpack that for a long time, but what we see and what we hear Jesus teaching here is there's two places, this intermediate state. After we die, we go to one of two places, a place of torment, Hades or hell, it's the same word, or another place, we'll call it heaven. The Bible teaches there are two different places. And before we go on, I need to address one topic, this idea of purgatory. Who's heard of that before? Okay, so... Nowhere in the Bible is there any place or anything described like purgatory. Purgatory is a Catholic doctrine that came about in the 13th century, which is far removed from the biblical times. That purgatory is a place, they believe, that you are cleansed from your sins. A place you go in between heaven to pay for your sins. But here's what's very important. We believe that Christ has satisfied that. We believe that Christ has paid for our sins. We don't believe we pay for our sins. Jesus has done that. Therefore, purgatory cannot be true because then it's Christ plus something else. So we are saved by grace through faith. And what you believe about this, the afterlife influences how you live this life. And so the Bible teaches us that you and I, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, can go to a place of, called heaven, a place where we are with God, this place of eternal bliss. Or there's another place, this intermediate state now. After you die, this is what happens. Or you go to a place that is, well, of torment. And I know we don't like talking about that place. We, we don't like it, and, and you're right, we should not like it. It's not described as something any of us want to go to. And that's why Jesus Christ is so important. That's why the gospel is so important. That through faith in him, we can go to something different. To see this paradise where we're resting with God. So we're taught that human beings, well, we die once. Then there's an intermediate place we go to. And then something else happens. It's called the resurrection of the body. Who's heard of that before? All right, well, I'm glad the rest of you are here this morning. Look, this, this is very important. this is a Christian belief. Maybe you didn't know this. This isn't metaphorical. This is literal. Christians believe the Bible teaches that we will literally have new bodies. I am so excited because I've been talking to God about being six foot two when that next body, I'm telling you, it wouldn't be heaven unless I was six-2. But look what Paul writes. He writes to a church because they're like, yeah, this whole resurrection thing, it's not real. I mean, Paul doesn't really mean that we're resurrected, so Paul's like, well, let me help you understand. 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 19. Let me go ahead and read in here. It's a little bit easier for our purposes this morning. He says, but if it is Christ, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, he's saying, so if Christ, if we're preaching that Christ has been raised, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, if we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him. In fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we, of all people, most to be pitied. Paul is telling you and I that the resurrection is the most important aspect of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is. And he's saying that because Jesus was risen, as Jesus was risen from the dead, you and I, our bodies, will be resurrected as well. Just as Jesus literally died and literally rose, you and I will literally die and literally raise again. This isn't figurative. This is literal. He continues. Look at verse 51. He says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the perishable has clothed itself with imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So even Paul says, listen, this is a mystery, but we're going to have this imperishable body that the perishable must die, but then we're going to be raised, we're going to be changed and have this immortality. Pretty cool, isn't it? You pretty excited about that? I would be if I were you. The idea that, you know, I'm going to be six foot two and be raised again with this immortal body. Now what's going to cause this? This resurrection of the body. The second coming of Christ the return of Christ you guys heard of this before yeah good okay this is where things get tricky this is where we start going listen I know exactly how it's gonna happen it's on my calendar this is exactly what he needs to do in order for this to happen but let's just agree about this Jesus Christ is coming back first uh, Thessalonians uh, 4 16 through 18 says this he says for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will are left, excuse me, and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we believe that Christ is coming back to set the world right. And when Paul tells us that he's coming back, what does he end it with? He ends, therefore, encourage one another. The point of Jesus coming back is to have encouragement, to have hope that he really is coming. He really will set the world right. That what we see, the darkness, the hopelessness, the sin, the death, that's not going to have the final word that Jesus Christ is coming back. He will have the final word what's he going to do when he comes back? This isn't on the screen. I'm going to read to you. It's Matthew 25, 31 through 33. You can write this down and read it when you get home. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And this is where things start to get uncomfortable. But what this teaches us is when he comes back, Jesus will judge the earth. Jesus will judge and he will separate accordingly. You see, it teaches us. The scriptures teach us, like we talked about, there's one or two places we can all land at the end. Say, so, well, Brian, that means I get to spend heaven in eternity or go to hell for eternity. No, that's not what the scriptures teach. The idea isn't that we get to spend heaven in eternity. Did you know that? This is the one that catches people off that I have to talk through a lot. We think, well, I'm going to be in heaven floating around with angel wings. We already talked about our bodies going to be raised again. Who's more excited about having a new body than floating around with wings and playing a harp? Yeah, I used to think, I don't know how that's going to be heaven. I don't, that doesn't feel like heaven if that's what's going to happen. Yeah, No, remember, heaven is an intermediate state. It's it's a waiting place. It's a temporary place. So we believe we die. We go to one or two places in this intermediate state. Then we believe that our bodies will be raised when Christ comes back. There's going to be this judgment time. So Christ comes back. He judges. Our bodies are raised. And then look what happens. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. This is really in your Bible. You should go home and read it. It'll say the same thing in your Bible at home. It's pretty nifty. It says this, look, Revelation 21. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Heaven's coming down here. Picture this. From God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write these down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this. I will be their God, and they will be my children. You and I are not dwelling in heaven for eternity. Heaven and earth will come down into one, to where there will be a new earth, a new Christian, something different will happen.ing And it seems that there will be a new order of things, like there will probably be work again. Remember, work wasn't after the fall. Work's not a bad thing. What happened after the fall made it a bad thing. But there will be a society, there will be life. It's not just we're going to sit in heaven and play harp. Heaven is a temporary place and then there will be a new earth and God will come down and and on this earth there will be something new, a new order, a new earth, a new way where God will be with us. Isn't that pretty nifty? But we can't talk about this because as great as that is without remembering that it doesn't stop there because verse 8 says this, but the cowardly The unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And this is the second death. And when you read that, it should break your heart. It should hurt. It should hurt that that people you know, that people you may know may end up in this this place called hell. It's it's not there to discuss. It's not there to theorize. It's there to remind us we will be judged, that Jesus Christ really did die for our sins, so we would not experience anything like that. See, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is being tossed away from God because he's holy and pure. And so Jesus Christ gave his life so you and I could be with him in this eternal bliss. Hell isn't described as anywhere I want to go. It's not described as anywhere you want to go. But what's so important to understand is the Bible doesn't teach there's one destiny for all people. It doesn't teach that everything's just going to work out and just go about life and it's not a big deal. The Bible doesn't teach that. It teaches that Jesus Christ came to rescue you and I so we could be with Him in glory. That is why the gospel is so important. That's why what we do as a church is so important. We're not here just to do nice things. We're not here just to show love, although we want to show love. We want to do nice things. We're here to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ that He has died, He has paid for your and I sins. And he is resurrected and will resurrect us to be in eternity with him through salvation in Jesus Christ. The gospel, well, we're saved from that. You see, after our bodies are resurrected, they go to one or two places, which is what our core belief is about, is I believe there's a heaven, a hell, and that Jesus will return to judge all people and establish his eternal kingdom see we don't talk about heaven without talking about hell it's not that hell is something exciting that we want to send people to hell should break your heart it breaks my heart but it's to remind us of the seriousness of the gospel the seriousness of the work that we do as a church to promote the gospel that there is a lot at stake because we believe everyone dies once There's an intermediate place, heaven or hell. That there be a literal bodily resurrection. That Christ will return and God's people will dwell with him and the others will be cast away from him. What you believe about the afterlife will influence how you live this life. And the goal of this isn't to scare you. The goal of this is to encourage you to make a decision and live for Jesus Christ. Because here's what you need to do. Get ready. You never know. And as pastors, I promise you, you you never know. We deal with those who come to end a life after very long, and we have dealt, unfortunately, with those who die very young. And the tragedies in between. We want to get ready. If you are a follower of Jesus, get ready for where you're going. Who plans for vacations? Anybody? Who saves up money, gets excited, gets ready? Look at the different stops. I mean, if we get ready for vacation, shouldn't we get ready for this eternity with God? Shouldn't we get to know Him? How awkward would it be to live with Him in eternity and not even you know, really know Him? Not really be excited about Him? Not really read the letter. She'd be like, hey, did you hear what? would you think about what I wrote? They're like, I, I didn't make it that far. It got too complicated. Those genealogies kind of threw me off. I mean, we understand we got to know him in order to be in his presence. We got that. But do we take the time to continually get to know him? Some relationship, me and my wife got married 11 years ago, and I know her better now than I did at the beginning. Are you continuing to grow in your relationship with God? How about this? Are you living for today? Or are you living for eternity. What if you believe there's a place that you're going after here that has unlimited resources, no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, a place of eternal bliss? What if you believe that living for now wasn't it? Your bank account, your retirement, that's just a little piece of the grand thing that's going to happen to you. What would it look like if you started storing up treasures in heaven as Jesus says? Rather than treasures on the earth. And how about this? How important would be sharing the gospel be if you really believed in a place called hell? See, I think we don't want to believe in hell because we don't want the responsibility that comes with it. It should break your heart. Why don't we? Instead of trying to dismiss this idea of hell, why don't we do something about it and share the gospel so people don't go? Encourage them to get to know Jesus. Show them by what you do. What, would, what kind of risk would you take if you knew you had nothing to lose? See, we read the disciples and we read the things they did and the stories and we're just like, man, how did they do this? Because they saw a man die on a cross, then they saw him after he raised from the dead and said, if he can do that... I don't got to worry about nothing else. I am good. What would your life look like if you knew there was something after There's something better waiting you, for you? You see, that's the hope you have, Christian. That this body will decay, this body will get sick, this body will have pain and hurt, but that should prompt you to remember that there will be a time that that will not exist for you. It's all pointing to something better. A day where you won't experience that. And what if the pain and the suffering, the ailments, reminded you of how temporary this place was so you could live for something better? What if God knew what he was doing when he created that and it prompts you to live a little differently? What if? So if you're getting ready for the afterlife, what do you need to do? Do you need to give your life to Jesus? Oh, he has made that so simple. He's done all the work. And what you got to do is believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, meaning he is the one in charge and you are not. That is super hard to do, by the way. All right, he's in charge, I'm not. That he has paid for your sins and you accept that sacrifice, that he did it for you and you believe that and you own that and you live into that, well, it would change everything. Or maybe for you, you need to stop living for a career of retirement. Start living for eternity. Maybe you need to share the gospel. Or maybe invite people out to church. Or maybe settle in at a church. Or maybe, like I said, learn a little bit more about Him. So as we think about dying, it's sad. When we think about the hope we have in Christ, it's amazing. And we will be with Him in this temporary place after we leave here in heaven to one day come back to this new earth, this recreated earth, however, he's going to do that, and to where we can dwell with him for all of eternity. The Bible doesn't tell us all these other things so we can figure it out. It tells us to get ready. It tells us to be prepared. Because what you believe about the afterlife. Will directly influence the way you live this life. So what do you believe? Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we aren't immortal. Death and sickness and disease that reminds us of this. But Father, because of Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sins. We can be forgiven of the brokenness and be restored, redeemed, to be with you for all eternity like you originally designed. Father, we thank you so much for that. Father, my prayer is for those who haven't received Jesus Christ into their life. Those who have been pushing back, who wanted to... Lord, over themselves, who want to be in charge, who want to do things their way, Lord, I pray that they would receive the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and has been raised for them to have a new life this morning. I pray that those who haven't made that decision, you make it very clear to them as they sit out here and they receive the gospel. I pray for those of us who've given our life to Christ, who trust in Him for salvation. I pray that we are reminded today to live for you, To have an eternal view. To get to know you. But to share the good news with other people. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We pray that you encourage our church to be gospel driven because of the afterlife, because of what we believe to be driven by the message of Jesus Christ. That he has come to save.